As you open your Bibles up to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, our children, kindergarten through sixth grade, are dismissed to Children's Church. I want to preface the message this morning. It can be very easy to take this verse and the message this morning and make it narrow and zero in on what we've been dealing with this week. But it has been this verse that we have heard throughout this week. I shared it yesterday. And God has really touched my heart, not just because of the circumstances of the situation that our world is in today, but because it is very instructional to us beyond the moment circumstances. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, I'm only going to read this one verse this morning. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the leading into the next section of chapter 1, Paul declares that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, can you pull in verse 8? I don't know how. We, have, we updated our program, so I don't know if it, how easy it is to do that or not. But verse 8 goes on to say, Therefore, therefore, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. But share with me, he goes on to say later in that verse. Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I love you and I exalt you and magnify you. And that God, for these next few moments, that God, that you will speak to us right where we are. And that God, in, in ministering to us right where we are, that God, that... We understand that God, that uh, this message and this verse and this passage is not just about uh, God the, the, the moment, but God, it's about life. It's about God from this point forward, if we're not already, God, living the embodiment of what you command us here, God, that either we can be reminded and brought back to it, or that God, that we can begin to put it into practice right now. God, we love you this morning. And God, we praise you and ask for your anointing and your voice to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Nineteen thirty-two. It was an election year, just like we have this year. In nineteen thirty-two, the incumbent. Herbert Hoover was facing re-election and trying to be able to achieve that. But the world, the nation, 
was in chaos. 1932, during this election, it was the peak of the Great Depression, where the stock market in just a couple of years had lost 90% of its value. 11,000 banks had gone out of business, which meant that more than $1 billion had been lost of people's money. In 1932, $1 billion with a B. 300,000 companies had filed for bankruptcy. Unemployment had gone from 3% to 25% in just two years. The nation was in crisis. It was a moment where there was this true reflection of, 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 of chaos and upheaval. But the governor of New York decided that he was going to run for president against Herbert Hoover. This 50-year-old governor had some ideas to be able to bring the nation out. His name was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That election in November, he won in a landslide. And at the inauguration on March the 4th, 1933, FDR began his 20-minute inaugural address to the nation. This for you this morning, a 20-second clip of the beginning of FDR's inaugural address. If the internet's going to work. Is it buffering? It's spinning, spinning, spinning. It's not going to. So I will, do, I will not try to do an FDR impression. Bring it on. I'm going to try one more thing real quick. Be patient. thing that we have to fear is fear itself. In that same clip, he said, terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. About fear, and certainly that has been something that as we reflect and we look at the pandemic that our world faces today, we understand and, and even in our own way have experienced concern and fear. It is amazing to us and amazing to me that as we reflect upon the crises of the Great Depression in 1932, that FDR understood that as he stood up at that inaugural address and he made this declaration uh, that uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. 
It is there that we come back and we are reflective upon the scripture of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 that declares that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It is here that we have to understand, as I said a moment ago, that this scripture and this mantra about fear is not just about the coronavirus this morning. But what we have here is this way that we have to really examine ourselves and how is it that we live our life of faith. You see, because how we live, oh, 364 days of the year uh, will influence how we live on the day of crises. How we handle 11 months out of the year when things are going well will determine how we respond in the month where crises takes place. You see, because what God gives us here is of how to live through the Apostle Paul. He says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And what becomes called out in this moment by Paul and by, uh, is, is that there is such a thing as called a spirit of fear. It is more than just a matter of responding to circumstances. It is more than just an emotional response. Oh, but there is such a spiritual battle that is waged in the heavenly realm where we see and understand that there is such a tool of the enemy that is called the, and identified as a spirit of fear. But God says that that is not what he has given us. But rather, he contrasts it, and he says that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather he has given us, and if we take that spirit and we connect it not just to a spirit of fear, but we kind of use our distributive property for those math geniuses in the room, we could say that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather he has given us a spirit of power. And it is here that we understand that God wants us to not be led or dictated to by fear or by the spirit of fear. But what he first wants us to be able to do is he says that let us live to be as people who are led by the Holy Spirit rather than being dictated to by the spirit of fear. The question that each and every one of us have to assess this morning is where is it and how is it that we govern our lives? In fact, Galatians, if you read the book of Galatians, almost the entire book of Galatians, the, the whole theme of this book by, uh, that God uses and works through Paul about is this legalism versus spirit. In, in fact, uh, God, in this context, he's leading us as people to not be bound by uh, the legalistic aspect of, of the past, uh, but rather it is about being led by the Spirit. And in fact, in chapter 5 and verse 16, uh, the Word of God says this. He says in Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. And it is here that we understand that God is creating this contradiction or this dichotomy, if you would, between what it looks like of being ruled or led or dictated to by our flesh or by the law or legalism and what it means to be led by the Spirit. 
And what God commands us and what he calls us to is that he calls us as Christians to be people who are truly led by the Spirit. Are we really led by the Spirit? Or do we allow the wind and the waves of this world to toss us back and forth? Being led by our emotions or our feelings or by fear. When I was about 11 years old, we lived in Hawaii and uh, on Hickam Air Force Base. And it was uh, not just a couple blocks up from my uh, house where we lived. There was this abandoned, empty, um, for lack of a better phrase, townhome building. It was a U-shaped building, two-story, uh, that, uh, of course, created that U-shape, created this courtyard in the front of it, and um, it, uh, the second floor kind of extended out over the, uh, the walkway, and so there was a concrete porch walkway that went all the way around the entire U, and inside, obviously, different units where people were able to live, and the entire three and a half or so years that we lived there, nobody ever lived there. Uh, and so it was empty. It was abandoned. It was dark. There was nothing to it and um, signs everywhere that to keep out. And it's kind of unusual for living quarters, especially in Hawaii, to be empty. If you know anything about Hawaii, the cost of living is skyrocket high. And, and so any military personnel, they don't want to live off base. They want to live on base because it is so much more economical. And so it was, you didn't find empty buildings like this on base. So us being the genius 10, 11, 12-year-old kids, boys that we were, we were going to solve this mystery as to why it was empty. We decided that and came to the conclusion one night when it was dark and no lights are on in the building, no lights are out uh, are on on the outside of the building or even really even close to it. And so it creates all of these distant shadows from the street lights. Uh, and we had decided and made up all the stories that someone had probably been killed there and it was haunted. And that is why it was empty because everybody refused to live there. Imaginations of 11-year-old boys can kind of go wild and crazy. And so one night we are hanging around. We have nothing better to do. So uh, the, the whole game of daring one another began. And it wasn't real long before the dare was thrown out there of being able to walk along the sidewalk in front of that building along the U and to go around looking in every single window even though everything was pitch black outside. All my friends, they were like, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Adam, you go do it. And I sat there and I thought, man, that was scary stuff. And I thought, I'll go do it. I can do this. So I walk up there and I start walking this day you know, I'm going to walk along the sidewalk looking in through all the windows. And, and, um, and I start walking around. And about halfway through, I get to this dark corner. And I thought I hear something. And all of a sudden, my heart is about to bounce out of my chest. Uh, you know, my mouth is all dry. And I'm thinking, I'm about to die right here. And nobody's going to know it. So I keep going, though. And I keep saying, and, and literally, even at this young age, what do I begin to do? Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, help me. So I'm walking around, and I do it, and friends can't believe it. So then they say, hey, 
Uh, well, that, yeah, anybody can do that. So go try, all, as you walk around again, walk around and try all of the doors and see if any of them are open. I'm thinking, this thing's been abandoned. It's locked up. Sure, everything's going to be locked. Not an issue. So I do it again. I begin to make a, already, already having done it once, I, I'm thinking I can do this. I've got a little bit of confidence now. And so I walk around and I get to the next to the last door. And what happens? That doorknob opens or turns and the door opens and it makes that creaky noise and I just freeze in my tracks. And all of a sudden I can hear him from the sidewalk out front by the road. Go in! I, am, I, I thought I was scared earlier. Now I'm realizing oh, that was nothing. Now I'm really scared. I'm thinking I'm about to have a heart attack. And, and, you know, I can't back down from the challenge. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, you help me walk around. So you're going to have to walk, help me walk through this place. And so I do. I step into that little place and I start walking around. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, if there had been a mouse or anything that had run across the floor, I would have fainted and died right then and there. But God knew my heart, and he knew I couldn't have handled that. And so I walk through, and I'm seeing, you know, you are, you're seeing shadows, and you're seeing all sorts of stuff. And, and, uh, and I get in there, and I go in just enough to be able to go in, look around, and be able to run right back out. I don't even close the door behind me, and I go running out to the street. And, man, uh, I was the hero for the night, and I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. You got me through that. I'm never doing that ever again in my life. Fear. We've all dealt with it, whether as a kid or as an adult, and we, we, we find ourselves in that struggle, don't we? We know in our minds that we shouldn't be dictated to by that fear. I knew in that moment as a kid that there was no such thing as a haunted house and there was no such thing as anything like that. But, but in that moment, all I can think about is the adrenaline and the fear and the heart pounding and all of those things that are going on physically within my body. And the only thing that I even knew at the age of 11 was just to say the name of Jesus. And even in that simplicity of that moment, I challenge us, and it is something that I encourage all of us to be able to do, that when we don't know what else to do, and that we find ourselves being governed or driven by fear or uncertainty, then we can come to the place of saying, God, I may not know anything else, oh, but I know that Jesus is with me. He has declared that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will be with us wherever it is that we go. He has declared in our lives that we are to be strong and of good courage. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you will ever go. And so this morning we come today and we say that, God, I will not be driven by fear. I will not be dictated to by that in any area of my life. I'm not going to be driven by fear over my kids, my grandkids, my neighborhood, my community, my nation, the economy, the enemy himself. I am not going to be overwhelmed by fear. Oh, but rather I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God oh because the spirit of God has come in and lives and dwells inside of me and the spirit of God that lives and resides within me is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and that resurrection power is living and dwelling inside of each and every one of us today and so let us live let us live not as people who are overwhelmed by fear but as people who are led by the power of the Holy Spirit the other thing that this verse talks to us about, he says, 
that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power. You see, when we're led by the Spirit, it is there that we understand that there is a power within us. But it is up to us to exercise that power. That that power of the Holy Spirit that lives and resides within us, we have to give Him the freedom and the authority and the opening to be able to work and to act within us and through us. What did Jesus say in Acts 1-8? He said... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it's here that we understand that, that by the Spirit and the Spirit living within us means that we have this power and we've got to exercise that power. And rather than us cowering, rather than us running away, rather than us being able to say, enemy, you've won the day and I can't do this anymore, we've got to be able to rise up and say, no, the power of God is within me. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Remember, remember 2 Timothy 1.8. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Here we are again. Paul is writing again to the church in Rome. Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And if we were going to make this the end of this verse appropriate for us today we could say for the jew first and also for the chinese and for the italians and for the english and for the americans and for the australians and we could go around and we could name everybody in the world because that to the power of god the salvation is for it is for every single one of us if we will simply be able to embrace it and to accept it and believe Later on in this verse, or in this chapter, in this book rather, uh, Paul goes on in Romans chapter 15. And in verse 13 he says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope of the Holy Spirit. Our word for the year, joy. This week, I think the one thing that we need more than anything else is peace. And so here we have that God wants to fill us with hope and joy and peace. And the way that he wants to do it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that he has bestowed upon us and that he works through us. And we need to be able to say, I am not hopeless today. I am not helpless today. Oh, because I have the power of Christ residing and living and dwelling within me. So that no matter what happens tomorrow, no matter what happens when the first positive case of the coronavirus hits Franklin County. I just went there. When that happens, we will not be dri driven by that spirit of fear, but we will be led by the Spirit and we will say, God, I'm going to exercise the power and the authority of God upon my life to be able to say yes. I want the joy and the hope and the peace of God to fill my life. 
And when all of this is settled and done and we move forward, again, this is not a recipe for how to get through the next two weeks, oh, but around three weeks or however long it is. But this is a recipe of how God calls us to live everyday life. What we're talking about here this morning is nothing brand spanking new. This is what God wants us and how he wants us to live, how he wants us to go. Because he knows that we are not powerless. We are not helpless because we have Christ within us leading us. And we have to exercise that power to say, God, I'm choosing life as I look to you. And so... Let us live as people led by the Spirit. Let us exercise the power to choose and act accordingly to that power. And thirdly, let us love and care for one another. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. So we kick fear to the curb... And we say instead, we're going to live our lives as people by the Spirit, as people by power, and as people of love. The greatest declaration and definition that we have of what love looks like is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. I am not going to have an Elsa moment and say, let it go, but let it go. We've already established my lack of singing ability, so we will spare everyone of that. But right now, all of you have the song playing in your head, Let It Go. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rather rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. If we are going to be governed and led by the Spirit as people of God who are filled with His power and who are led by the Spirit of love, then this should be a description of our life. It doesn't matter if the world is falling apart around us or if we are on cloud nine because nothing could be even better. I mean, it's, it's the top of the world. It doesn't matter if we're in that valley or if we're at the top of the mountain. It does not matter where we are and what's going on. Love and this definition of love should still self be or should still be evidenced. And so God calls us to live according to let us love and let us care for one another. We just have finished up looking at what it means to love one another and to love our community. And, and even though right now, because of the circumstances with the, with the coronavirus, that, that means that things are kind of in limbo. I guarantee you, I, I, as pastor, I 
promise and commit and, and know that even if things get postponed, we will fulfill our loving on Livonia regardless of when that happens. Amen. Right now, we can't go to the hospital and love on the staff. But at some point in the future, guess what we will be returning to doing? And, and we will do that in bringing them good when that time, whenever that time is. But in the meantime, we definitely need to be loving on them in our prayer closet, as Tina just said. And lastly, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That word there, sound, when you do the literal translation for sound mind, it is actually referring to self-control. So, if we're run by fear, but we're going to be led by the Spirit, and we're going to be acting in power, and we're going to be loving and caring for one another, he says, let us use our sound minds. But what he's really exercising in the the literal translation here is, let us exercise or use self-control within our minds. Just like when I was walking through that abandoned building. It was creepy. It was spooky. And I kept telling myself, there's nobody here. There's nothing here. There's no ghost. There's no such thing. I kept telling myself those things. And I still was scared out of my mind. My mind, excuse me. I don't have one. It's scattered, but it is only one. There was, and on my own, there was a limit to that self control. But through Christ and through the power of Christ, all of a sudden it's there that I'm able to really be able to exercise the self control that God would have me to do to take captive those thoughts. And not just in the current environment, but just in every area of our lives from now until the time we get called home to meet Jesus. We need to exercise power and self-control in our thought life. To be able to say, God, I'm trusting you. And that God, that you are giving me the sound mind that 2 Timothy 1.7 is telling me. And in fact, in, in, in Sunday school, we've, been, we've started to study in terms of, uh, of the disciplines or the, what it means to live out the Christian life. And one of the things that, uh, that, we have, that it keeps coming through time and time again is this issue of self-control. 
It doesn't matter where you look. It doesn't matter whether if we're talking about our mind and our thought life, we've got to use self-control. If we're talking about resisting temptation, we've got to exercise self-control. If, we've got, if we're going to approach things like eating and, and, and entertainment or things that we enjoy, what do we have to exercise? Ex- self-control. And in fact, in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23, God talks to us about oh, the fruit of the Spirit. And what are those fruit of the Spirit that we just said? We just want to be led by the Spirit instead of by fear. And he says we're going to be led by the Spirit. And he, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such there is no law. It is here that we have to begin to wrap our brain around what it is that God calls us to do, to live and to operate when we are exercising this whole idea of sound mind and life and in our actions. The phrase that becomes commonly used that I share with you this morning is simply God calls us to live with faith over fear. Faith over fear. That what is it that weighs heavy upon you this morning? Maybe most pressing is the circumstances that we've already discussed. But maybe there's more than that. Maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself being fearful of providing for your family. Maybe there's a fear of of how kids or grandkids are going to turn out as they grow up. Maybe there's a fear of losing somebody close to you. Maybe there is a fear in your job. Maybe even to the point of thinking, I can't do a job anymore. What are those fears that we wrestle with? What are those fears that press in against us in those darkest hours? It's seasons like this when these fears just kind of almost like this, uh, you know, this gate becomes opened. And because of one fear, all these other fears start bombarding our minds and our hearts. And, and God wants us this morning to be reminded that God, that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that he wants us to be able to be led by that spirit. He wants us to live with faith over fear and it's in these moments where we exercise that kind of self-control and say God I may not know what's going to be in store I may not know what's going to happen oh but I know that I can look to you and trust you as the musicians come this morning as pastor for the first time probably in in my years of ministry I can't even make the promise or the commitment to you that we will even be able to gather next Sunday and have church. To my knowledge, I've never experienced that kind of uncertainty before. But guess what? Even if that's what has to happen, guess what we're still going to do? We're still going to be led by the Spirit. We're still going to be acting with power. We're still going to be loving one another. They look differently. Waves and elbow bumps instead of hugs 
if you've seen, I, I saw, I chuckled last night. One pastor was putting out there. If you've seen the movie, the Marvel movie, Black Panther, they greeted each other Wakanda style. But we're still going to love one another. And, and, and we're still going to use our sound minds. And guess what? Even if and when kids aren't able to go to school, guess what they're still going to do? They're still going to learn one way or the other. Is it official? It's official. Franklin County Schools, Stephen County Schools. No, I know Stevens. I already heard Stevens. Well, I've been, I was told Stevens. But officially, Franklin County Schools is shutting down. And so guess what? Even if we can't gather here, guess what we're still going to do? We're still going to serve. We're still going to worship. We're still going to seek God. We as a church are still going to be able to minister the best way that we know how. The most important thing is that we remember that 2 Timothy 1.7 isn't just about facing the challenges of this week. This is about facing the challenges of life. And if for maybe one of the good things, God takes all things and works them together for good, right? A spiritual awakening as people begin to cry out and say, what is happening? Maybe there's friends or co-workers or neighbors that may be more scared than maybe they've ever been. I don't know. What hope we have to offer and to share. And to say that God doesn't want us to live in that fear. But he wants us to be able to live with power and of love and of a sound mind or a self-controlled mind. If you would stand with me this morning.